The Seahawks found themselves embroiled in another high-scoring affair in New Orleans on Sunday, but unfortunately, unlike last week, they weren't able to come out on top in a 39-32 loss to the Saints. I'm going to be breaking the matchup down here on our postcast here on Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12s. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. The Seahawks had a great opportunity to get above the 500 mark for the second time this season, get to three and two in New Orleans. Unfortunately, let a victory slip through their graphs. You can kind of say that they literally allowed it to happen with some of the dropped passes in this game. Just a lot of missed opportunities on the field. And unfortunately, the Seahawks fell 39-32 to late. A Taysom Hill 60-yard touchdown run late in the fourth quarter, clinching it for the home team, snapping their own losing streaks. So now the Seahawks at 2-3 and three are at the bottom of the NFC West. Certainly a missed opportunity that they are going to be regretting for quite some time. They're going to be simmering over this loss for some time. So let's get to some of the main storylines coming out of this contest. The Seahawks last weekend beat the Lions 48-45, to a high-scoring affair. Geno Smith, over 300 yards passing, a couple touchdown passes, had a touchdown run. Geno, again, played masterfully in New Orleans on Sunday. Didn't get to 300 passing yards. He would have been the first quarterback in Seahawks history to do that three consecutive games, but still threw for over 260 yards, had three touchdowns. In the first half alone, was averaging over 20 yards per completion, almost 13 yards per attempt. So he was slinging the ball downfield, hit on a couple long touchdown passes to Tyler Lockett, had a long touchdown to DK Metcalf on the first scoring drive for 50 yards. So he was racking up the yardage with not quite as many attempts, was let down by his teammates at times. But ultimately, this game boils down to the defense's continued struggles, in particular defending the run. The Saints were playing with a backup quarterback at Andy Dalton, and it felt like half the snaps that Taysom Hill was playing the Wildcat quarterback role. You know what he's going to do 99% of the time when he's in there taking snaps. He's going to run the football, and yet the Seahawks could not figure out how to slow him down. And really, it continues a season-long trend That has cost the Seahawks a couple of games. They should have won against the Atlanta Falcons at home a few weeks ago. Lost that game because the defense couldn't stop Corderell Patterson. Got lucky last week that they overcame the Lions scoring barrage with Jamal Williams rushing for over 100 yards and the damage they did through the air with Jared Goff. And then this week, first time in franchise history, this is not the history that you want your defense making. They allowed two players on the same team in the same game to rush for over 100 yards. Taysom Hill had 112 rushing yards on just nine carries, 60 of those coming on that game-winning touchdown. He scored three touchdowns on the ground by himself. And Alvin Kamara, 23 23 carries for 103 yards in this game. He didn't score any touchdowns, but he had a 54-yard reception on a screen to go with those 103 rushing yards. He continues to be a major thorn in the Seahawks' side. This is the third straight game. They've allowed at least one 100-yard rusher, Corderell Patterson and Jamal Williams, the last two games, having two of them in the same game, over 230 rushing yards for the Saints. 
some more history for the Seahawks as well. This is the first time in franchise history they've allowed at least 145 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns in three consecutive games. They are just the ninth team to accomplish this feat, the first since 2003. The Chiefs and, ironically, the New Orleans Saints both had three-game streaks giving up that much yardage and multiple rushing touchdowns in 2003. But it has been almost 20 years since this happened, and the Seahawks became the ninth team. Only one team, the New York Jets, has done it four games in a row. And the Arizona Cardinals coming up, they're not known for running the football, but if they're watching the film, they're certainly going to be trying to exploit this team. It's just been really ugly seeing the persistent issues for the Seahawks defending the run. And Today, really, it was a smorgasbord of all the issues that have hindered the, hindered them. The front line away from Al Woods, who unfortunately left with a sore knee in the second half, he was dominant in the first half of this game. Had a sack, had a couple tackles for loss. Once he exited, Brian Monet did some nice things, but they're not getting much production from their other defensive tackles. They were having issues allowing running backs to get to the second level with blockers on linebackers, so they weren't necessarily getting the job done in the trenches. They were inconsistent as they've been all year setting the edge. I thought Boye Mafe made some nice plays out there. Uchenna Nuosu did as well, but they were still able to get outside, and they did a really good job mixing in those designed wildcat runs for Taysom Hill, mixing in a quarterback counter, for example, that ended up going for six points. They just did a really good job schematically of mixing in runs with him, and yet the Seahawks were not able to make adjustments. And really the biggest problem in this game, and it was most evident in the second half, the missed tackle issues, you know, leaping at ball carriers, trying to dive at their legs and failing to wrap, not getting guys to the ground. Taysom Hill is a physical, powerful runner. He is a running back at the quarterback position. If you do not wrap up and you jump early and leap at him, he's just going to bounce off of your tackle attempts. And that's what happened today several times to the Seahawks. We've seen it week in, week out. And it's really discouraging when you look from a totality perspective, just how bad this defense has been. Historically, this is one of the worst run defenses that the NFL has ever seen. As I mentioned, only eight teams prior to this game had given up 145 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns in three consecutive games. The Seahawks joined that exclusive group, a group that you don't want to be part of with this performance. And the teams that they are doing it against, that makes it even more baffling. The Atlanta Falcons are not an offensive juggernaut, yet they were able to run the ball at will in the second half a few weeks ago with Cordero Patterson. The Lions were missing their starting running back, DeAndre Swift, a superstar, averaging almost nine yards per carry. He didn't play last week. Jamal Williams had a 50-plus yard touchdown run against him. And then this week, the Saints, Alvin Kamara is coming back from a rib injury. He didn't even murder them as much as what Taysom Hill did with those Wildcat runs. But to let both those guys go for over 100 yards, have 235 rushing yards allowed, and just the explosive plays mixed in. You have that 54-yard screen to Kamara, the 60-yard run for Taysom Hill. They're giving up all these chunk plays along with getting gas just consistently on the ground. They can't get off the field. Again, the Saints were very successful, 8 for 14 on third down. They were a perfect 3 for 3 in the red zone. The Seahawks' defense in the red zone has been one of the best in the NFL. That did not carry over into this game. They've just got a ton of issues on defense. In coverage today, they were better than they have been, but it didn't matter because the opponent was able to run the football at will throughout the game, mixing in those design quarterback runs, getting the football to Alvin Kamara frequently. Mark Ingram did some nice things as the backup running back as well. 
the Seahawks just have not been able to stop anyone. It hasn't mattered who's been in the backfield. It hasn't mattered what offensive lines they've played. The coaching staff at this point, they've got to be looking in the mirror. The players have been doing it the last few weeks. The performance is not getting better, though. So Clint Hurt and the rest of that coaching staff, they have got to be looking in the mirror and trying to figure out what is going wrong here. Why can we not correct these issues that keep plaguing us week in and week out. And maybe the person that's laughing the most in the background right now is Ken Norton Jr. Because everybody was pointing the finger at him the last couple of years when the Seahawks had historically bad starts on defense, a lot of explosive plays in the passing game. And him being gone now and replaced by Clint Hurt, this new staff mixing in a 3-4 scheme, it's arguably been worse this year than it has been the last two years. And there's very few signs that they are really heading towards getting this fixed. They're creating some turnovers, which is a different thing from last year. But if they're not creating turnovers, they can't consistently get off the field and they can't get the stops that they need to win these football games. The offense is doing more than enough. You put up 32 points in New Orleans on the road, you should win that football game. This is not an offensive juggernaut. That's probably the most worrisome thing. The Lions scored zero points today against the New England Patriots after putting up 45 on the Seahawks a week ago. The Saints have not exactly been lighting the world on fire on offense. They've been missing some key players like star receiver Mike Thomas, and yet they go out and they put up 39 points. The Seahawks aided them with some miscues on special teams and giving them short field on two occasions. That certainly played a factor, but the defense has been atrocious, and that continued on Sunday. So Pete Carroll, Clint Hurt and company, you know, they've been saying it for weeks. You know, We got all these little things we got to figure out. But those little things continue to be a big problem on game day, and it's cost them. They could easily be 4-1 and one right now. They had two winnable games slip through their grasps against NFC South opponents, and now they're at 2-3. and three. This was a great opportunity to stay in the NFC West race, and they're still going to be hanging around because everybody was 2-2 two and two going into this weekend. But nonetheless, this football team had a prime opportunity in front of them. Geno Smith delivered for the most part, again, playing really good football. They were able to run the ball well, and it didn't matter because this defense cannot stop anyone. They can't come up with key stops late in games when the Seahawks need them to. And because of that, they're two and three. And even though they have been a much more competitive two and three than what a lot of people might have anticipated, uh, it's certainly irking and disappointing to see the way that this defense is playing right now. I'm going to get to my game balls here coming up in a moment. The standouts on offense, defense, and special teams. After a word from our sponsor here, we've got a big Sunday night game between the Bengals and Ravens coming up tonight. I'm picking Lamar Jackson to produce. 350 all-purpose yards and three touchdowns, while Jamar Chase will post 125 receiving yards. Those might seem like bold leaps for an individual game, but with prize picks, it's easy to play daily fantasy and put those entries to the test. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. This includes the NFL, NBA, MLB, college football, boxing, even disc golf. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. It's safe with fast withdrawals. Download the PrizePix apps or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, prize picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. 
You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, postcast edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Thanks, as always, to the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. The Seahawks, unfortunately, falling to two and three on Sunday, a game that felt like they should have won in New Orleans with Geno Smith once again wheeling and dealing, throwing three touchdowns, no interceptions, over 260 passing yards. They get Quality running from Rashad Penny. Unfortunately, it looks like Penny is going to be out for the season. We'll have more details coming on that on our Monday show once they become available at this point. Just a lot of speculation about a broken tibia. No idea if he's going to need surgery or not, but was running the ball well before he exited in third quarter with an injury. Ken Walker the third, his first breakout game for the Seahawks. The offense was clicking. You scored 32 points, you should win on the road. And yet the defense, as I mentioned last quarter, just continues to be porous and really struggling. Basically, the run defense has been like cheese sitting outside in New Orleans heat for 10 days. It's been that stinky watching this group try to stop anybody. Let's get to our game balls. Going to start an offense, and this one was a little bit tough, kind of like the last few weeks. This offense has been playing really well. Geno Smith has been firing on all cylinders. They've gotten good production from their receivers, tight ends, and running backs. I've picked Geno Smith the last two weeks. I was leaning towards picking him for a third time, but I got to go with the player that caught two touchdowns from him today, Tyler Lockett, his second 100-yard receiving game of the season. What an impressive route that he ran on that first touchdown. And what a clutch situation. I tweeted about this during the game. The Seahawks had first and 10 with only one timeout left, and they handed it off to DJ Dallas. He picked up four yards. It looked like they were just going to settle for a field goal instead of being aggressive. And yet that next play, second and six, the clock's ticking down to triple zeros. They have no timeouts left. The Seahawks entrusted Geno Smith to make the play. He's either going to complete it to his receiver or he's going to throw out of bounds. They're going to kick the field goal and they're going to be good to go. Tyler Lockett gets the defender off balance, looking like he's running a corner out. Then he comes back inside and Geno Smith steps up, delivers a perfect strike, strike, drops it right into the bucket. There's three defenders converging in coverage and it doesn't matter because Tyler Lockett is able to see it over his shoulders. Willie Mays style style for a long touchdown that puts the Seahawks in front 19 to 17. I'll get to why it wasn't 20 to 17 here in a few minutes, but that touchdown put the Seahawks out in front at halftime. And then when they were down 31, 19, the second half, the game, we got away from him in the third quarter. There were some questionable calls made by the officials. There were a couple of replay reviews that didn't go in Seattle's favor and suddenly they were down two scores, but Geno Smith went right back to Tyler Lockett for a 40-yard touchdown, and that was such an impressive throw. But again, those passes, those long balls down the field, catching over the shoulder, that is extremely difficult. These NFL receivers make it look much easier than it really is, and Tyler Lockett is one of the very best in the NFL. Perfect throw dropped in the bucket, but for his concentration to see that ball into his hands with two defenders draped all over him. It was a perfect play. We saw Russell Wilson do that a lot with Tyler Lockett over the years, and now that connection is developing between Smith and Tyler Lockett now. So another 100-plus yard receiving game. He caught five out of six targets. The efficient receiver we've come to expect from Tyler Lockett. I thought he was the best player on offense for the Seahawks today. Geno Smith certainly deserves some kudos for how he played, but Tyler Lockett getting into the end zone for the first time this year, not only doing it once, getting two touchdowns twice as nice to keep the Seahawks in a position to win this football game. On the defensive side of the ball, this one's much easier. 
Tariq Woolen continues to be one of the most impressive rookies in the NFL. Today had his third straight game with an interception, jumped around Andy Dalton. You could tell as soon as he threw it, he knew he had made a mistake. And Woolen, with that 4-2-6 speed, has the ability to undercut throws. He's done it a couple times already last week against the Lions, returned to that one for an interception. He might have taken or returned that for a touchdown. He might have taken it back this time as well, if not for a play made by one of the receivers bringing him down. So you see those hustle plays from the Saints, but Tariq Woolen had that interception that set up a touchdown for the Seahawks. And then he also recovered a fumble that Ryan Neal forced late in the first half. That led to the first touchdown pass from Geno Smith to Tyler Lockett. So that's four turnovers now for Tariq, uh, Tariq Woolen, four turnovers in three games for the rookie. He's continuing to emerge as a star right in front of our eyes. And we know he's got the physical tools, but he's showing he can be a playmaker. This isn't just about raw talent anymore. This is a kid that is getting an interception seemingly every game. He easily leads the Seahawks with three of them so far. He blocked a field goal earlier this year, was taken back for a touchdown. It just seems like his penchant for special plays. He is delivering those every single game. Are there still some rookie mistakes? Absolutely. I would have liked to see him bring down Taysom Hill on that 60-yard touchdown. Would have loved to see him tackle him, but he was trying to force a fumble there near the goal line. I'm sure the Seahawks talked to him about that. There was a holding penalty against him that I thought was really ticky-tack. I'm not sure what they saw there, but overall, this kid is tackling way better than I expected. Every single game, he's coming through with at least one turnover at two of them that he generated today. Just his propensity for big special plays on defense. The Seahawks don't have a lot of opportunities to do that with how poorly their defense is playing. But if you're looking for one real bright spot, Tariq Woolen continues to be that for the Seahawks in the secondary. The coaching staff does deserve a lot of credit on that front. This is a kid that was coming in with just two years of cornerback under his belt at UTSA. And on his college tape, you could see the rawness and you could see the lack of experience for him to come out and improve this rapidly. When you have the physical tools that he has, it makes it easier. But the coaching staff does deserve a lot of credit for the way that he's playing out there. I thought the corners played just fine today in coverage, at least. And they came up and they made some plays in the run game. The real problems continue to be in the front seven. I'm sure I'll have more to talk about that when we get to our three up, three down segment. Last but not least here for our game balls, I guess in today's segment, you could say and least because special teams was anything but special for the Seahawks. I'm going to go with a player that didn't botch something today because that didn't seem like it happened very often for the Seahawks. Michael Dixon with that ugly play where he was supposed to be, according to Pete Carroll, doing an Aussie style punt. He was rolling out to his right and then he was expecting to punt it. Instead, he tucked and tried to run. He apparently thought he had a lot of space in front of him and ended up getting blasted for an eight-yard loss in Seahawks territory. The Saints punch it in two plays later with Taysom Hill, and suddenly it's a 17-10 game. Jason Myers missed an extra point. It should have been 20-17 to at the half. Instead, it was 19-17. There were a couple penalties on punt coverage in the second half, but Joey Blunt was the one player in this game that – didn't have big mistakes on special teams, and he contributed with two really nice tackles on kick coverage in the first half. And he hasn't gotten to play a lot because he was dealing with a hamstring injury, was held out for three games for him to get back on the field and make a couple nice tackles on kick coverage. The Seahawks need any help that they can get right now with players like Travis Homer being out. They need other young players to step up and help fill the void without their special teams captain. 
And Nick Ballore obviously is going to get that title, but Travis Homer on the field is just as important in terms of leading these special teams units. So a player like Joey Blunt going out and producing, that's certainly a big deal. They've got a lot of room to grow on special teams, though. And you can make an argument that as bad as the defense was, the special teams lost this game for the Seahawks with some of the mistakes they made. That Dixon miscue loomed large the entire second half, and they were able to make up for it with creating a couple turnovers of their own. But still, that's a play that Michael Dixon would love to have back, the Seahawks would love to have back. Not a good day on special teams Aside from Joey Blunt, who was able to make a couple really nice tackles. All right, going to shift gears here in a moment, going into our three up, three down, our weekly studs and duds coming out of week five, which players shined in New Orleans and which ones are going to want a mulligan here and they're going to want to come back in week six looking to have a much better performance against the Cardinals. I'm going to get to those here in a moment. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right, Built has done it again. Cookie dough chunk pups have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. It's all the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it, and it's healthy for you. Only 160 calories, and cookie dough chunk puffs have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. Run to Built.com to snag a box for you and the family. It'll be the perfect treat, or you can be like me and find a really good hiding place and just hoard them for yourself. Like all Built Bars, the new cookie dough chunk puff is covered in 100% real chocolate. That means they're healthy and tasty. Chocolate-covered cookie dough with a light, fluffy texture. It's so good. Go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's Built.com using the promo code LOCKEDON15. You'll get 15% off your next order. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, postcast edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Again, thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. And for your second listen, make sure to check out the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. The Seahawks falling to two and three this afternoon, a difficult loss in New Orleans, a game that really felt like was in their grasp several times, and they just couldn't seize, hold, and win this one and made some critical mistakes. There were some penalties. There were some turnovers. There were missed tackles. A lot of self-inflicted wounds for the Seahawks, and that's really been a theme, particularly on the defensive side of the football for them this year. And that's why they're two and three instead of three and two or even four and one. They've certainly had a chance to win every game that they've played in, with the exception of week two. That one really got away from them in Santa Clara early. But the other four games, they had a chance to win all four of those contests. And unfortunately, just like the Falcons game in week three, they weren't able to come up with quite enough plays on defense late to give themselves a chance to win the game. Let's get to our weekly stock watch, our three up, three down, the studs and duds. A lot of players played really well in New Orleans. There were several players that had games to forget as well. Let's start with the positives with three up. Looking at our three up list this week, first and foremost, I got to give a shout out to Ken Walker III, the rookie out of Michigan State, his first real opportunity to be the bell cow for the Seahawks. Now, obviously, the circumstances behind that are not ideal for Kendall Walker III. Rashad Penny has had a great start to the season. Everybody remembers how he played the last six games last year, leading the NFL in rushing yards. To see him go down with what's probably going to be a season-ending ankle injury 
early in the third quarter. That's a big blow for the Seahawks. But the good news is that they did invest a second-round pick on another very explosive back in Walker, and he finally had a chance to show off that explosiveness, that suddenness, that burst. The Seahawks trailing by six on the scoreboard, and he ends up cutting back a run behind a couple of blocks. The Saints overplayed. They were over-aggressive with their pursuit angles. He cuts back, and then he turns on the Jets. Tyron Matthew and Chris Harris Jr. are trailing him in pursuit, and they have no chance to catch him. Go 69 yards for the touchdown. Finish the game with 88 yards. That is a career high easily for Ken Walker III. I actually thought if they could have sustained that last drive they had for a few more first downs, that he might have had a chance to get to the century mark for the first time. But he did get the milestone of his first career touchdown. It was huge. That touchdown put the Seahawks up 32-31. to 31. The lead they only held for about 45 seconds in game action. But for a brief moment, the Seahawks, again, were back out in front, and they had erased that 31-19 deficit that they had going into the start of the fourth quarter. Ken Walker III having a big role in that. And now, assuming Rashad Penny is going to be out for at least a couple of months, if not the entire season, it is now the KW9 show. He is going to be the lead back for the Seahawks, and he's going to have to carry the load. He said after the game that he's ready, he looked the part here. And I think as he gains more experience, you're going to see another player that's got that home run threat type style to him in Ken Walker the third. Going to the tight end position, I've talked about him a lot over the last couple of weeks. Even though Noah Fant's production maybe hasn't lived up to what fans are hoping for, I think he's quietly having a good first season in Seattle. And today had three catches for 49 yards. He also caught a 32-yard play from Geno Smith. And, and I'm going to give Geno Smith some credit for that play because he rolled out to his left. And that is not an easy throw to make, throwing across your body. Throws it down the sideline and connects with Fant for a 32-yard pickup. We have seen the glimpses of Fant's athleticism as a receiver, and I don't think the Seahawks have really figured out just yet how to maximize that, but he is slowly and surely becoming more of a factor in the passing game. And I thought he had a couple nice blocks again in the run game today. He continues to surprise. Pete Carroll talked about that earlier this week. That is not known as a strength for Noah Fant. In fact, coming into the league, that was clearly his biggest weakness. He was not viewed as a Rob Gronkowski-type tight end, and I don't think he's ever going to be that kind of a blocking threat as an inline player. But he has improved a lot. He's getting after it in the trenches. He's a good blocker going outside on sweeps. And so we're seeing that. We're seeing the growth from him. We're seeing a developing relationship with Geno Smith, who's showing more trust, getting the football to him. So I think that is a positive development. These tight ends have all played well for the Seahawks throughout the course of the season so far. But Noah Fan, it feels like, still has the highest ceiling and is just now starting to come into his own. Another really solid game for him. And I think a breakout game is going to be coming here in the near future, maybe even against the Arizona Cardinals, who have had their issues defending tight ends the last couple of years. That has continued into this season. And on defense, there actually are a few players to highlight. I mentioned Tariq Woolen as my player of the game. He got the game ball on defense. Ryan Neal, you could see the tangible impact that he made. Checking in as a starter for the first time this year for the Seahawks. Josh Jones still played a handful of snaps. And I thought Josh Jones looked a little bit better being in a situational sub-package role. That might be his ceiling with this team. He looked really good in training camp. But Ryan Neal had an excellent game. A couple things that he was able to do, first and foremost, he created the first turnover for the Seahawks. The Saints looked like they were going to march down and get a field goal at the end of the second half and extended their lead. They were up 17-13 at that point. Everything changed when Ryan Neal punched the football out of Alvin Kamara's hands. 
And then it was recovered by Tariq Woolen. He returned it a few yards. A couple plays later, Geno Smith hits Tyler Lockett for his first touchdown. And suddenly it's 19-17. The Seahawks are going into the break ahead. And they get the football first to start the third quarter. Everything was looking good for the road team at halftime because that big play for Ryan Neal. He had a couple other third down stops. One of them was negated by a questionable holding penalty on Tariq Woolen. He also denied Adam Troutman, the tight end, a touchdown in the end zone with physical coverage and a really good job getting his hand out in front. It was clean coverage, but he played him physically, was able to get his hand out in front and knock the football out of Troutman's hands. There was a really good throw by Andy Dalton, but even better coverage by Ryan Neal. Not a perfect game for him. There were a few plays that he would have liked to have back, but compared to the rest of the defense, played really well in this one. Pass deflection, eight tackles, forced fumble. He was all over the field doing a lot of good things. For the Seahawks. Now let's get to the downside. When you lose a game, there's certainly going to be some players to point out that did not play well. And my first selection might surprise our listeners a little bit because DK Metcalf did have a 50 yard touchdown on the first drive of the game. He finished with 88 receiving yards for the game. Most receivers, they're going to love that production. I think even DK Metcalf, that's good production for him. Almost 100 receiving yards for the game. But he made two critical mistakes in this game, and that's why I have him on this list today. The first one coming in the second quarter, the Seahawks had third down at the Saints' 13-yard line, and Geno Smith delivered a perfect throw. He threw it a little bit low, but that was to keep it away from the defenders so they couldn't get their hands on it. He put it in the perfect location for DK Metcalf on an in-breaking route back of the end zone. That should have been touchdown number two, and it bounced right off of DK Metcalf's hands. You could see the frustration from both Metcalf and Smith. Smith put his hands on his helmet. You can't throw it any better than what he did on that. That should have been Geno's second touchdown of the game there. That would have given him three in the first half. That was an absolute missile, perfectly thrown, and yet Metcalf dropped it. And then you go to the first drive in the third quarter, and Smith again finds Metcalf, and it was a contested catch, middle of the field. He's back, he got his back turned to a couple of defenders, gets hit, ends up fumbling the football. I still personally think that he had his elbow down before the ball started coming out. I thought it was a controversial uh, review for them to not overturn that one and keep the football with the Saints, but the refs ended up deciding that it was a fumble. So the Seahawks were put in a tough spot defensively again with the Saints being deep in Seattle territory, backs against the wall because of that fumble. I don't know that it was a fumble. I think you could make a strong argument that if you were going to overturn that, it probably should have just not been a catch if they thought the ball was already moving there. But yet he's got to do a better job regardless. He's got to do a better job of securing the football. He didn't catch that one that should have been a touchdown. And then you also had that big fumble there. He has to make sure he's holding onto the ball. Don't even put yourself in a position where your team is put like in that spot where they've got to be kind of at the graces of the officials. Will they overturn this one? And if they don't, it puts you in a bad spot. He has had issues with occasional drops, occasionally coughing up the football, had a fumble earlier this year in one of Seattle's games against the Denver Broncos in week one. So he's got to do a better job. He's just got to hold on to the football. And that's why he's on this list. He played well, but he can play much better. He's got to play a more complete game for the Seahawks. And now going to the defensive side of the football, Puna Ford, I'm just going to say it right now. It has been an incredibly disappointing season for Puna Ford. And this is a player that I have been a big fan of since the Seahawks signed him as an undrafted free agent out of Texas. He has been one of the most underrated defensive tackles in the league for four years running. And I felt last year he played really well. 
I don't know what's going on with him this year, but he has been a wall way too many times for the Seahawks. I've very rarely heard his name making positive plays. He let Taysom Hill slip right through his grasp on one of his first half touchdown runs. I mean, he had him right there. All he has to do is get him to the ground, and yet Puna Ford could not get him down. He's getting bullied some along the offensive line. He's having some of those issues stacking up as a 3-4 defender. I just don't know if the scheme is fitting his skill set well. It just doesn't seem like he is – he's just not acclimating to that scheme well. And that's part of the problem for the Seahawks. They have gotten inconsistent performance from that defensive line, the defensive tackles. Puna Ford, there's been more bad than good this year, unfortunately. And all it's going to take is one game where he really figures things out, but he hasn't been able to do that to this point. Missed opportunities today to keep Taysom Hill out of the end zone, getting bullied a little bit, just not making the impact plays that we are used to seeing from number 97. They need Puna Ford from 2020 and 2021 to show up or this run defense is going to continue to struggle. He is too good of a player, too valuable for that front line to be playing the way that he is right now. And it's been disappointing to watch, especially with him being the highest paid player based on salary cap hit this year. He should be playing much better than he is right now. And the scheme just isn't meshing. He is not playing well. Maybe it's a confidence issue at this point, but they've got to get him on track. He has got to be a bigger contributor for this defense if they're going to start turning things around. And last but not least, you can make the same argument. Quandre Diggs, more times than not, is on our three up when we're doing these lists. He's been one of the best safeties in the NFL for the last couple of years in Seattle, back-to-back Pro Bowls. And yet it feels like the struggles of the rest of the defense has kind of become contagious. And now it is impacting Quandre Diggs. He was back at free safety when Adam Troutman caught a 22-yard touchdown from Taysom Hill. He went right between him and Artie Burns. And Diggs did not react quickly enough to make a play on the football. So I think that one is just as much on him as Artie Burns there. That was probably his assignment. He's got to make a play on the football and his run defense. It's been a major disappointment this year because Quandre Diggs has typically been a good defender against the run and he's been a quality tackler. But there's been too many times where he's been leaving his feet early and he's just kind of flailing at guys. And prime example of that was third and one. The Seahawks are up 32-31 midway through the fourth quarter, and Taysom Hill, everyone in the building knows what's going to happen. Snap's going to go to him in Wildcat, and he is going to run the football. Quandre Diggs is the last line of defense. He was up near the line of scrimmage. The Seahawks were basically playing cover zero. Like, we're going to come up, and we're going to stuff the run. And he whiffs, completely flails. And there's nobody behind him to take Taysom Hill, who then bolts 60 yards for what ended up being the game-winning touchdown. He mentioned after the game, he has to make that play. There just have been too many tackles that have been left on the field by the safeties in general, and that's included Quandre Diggs. For him to also be charged with that touchdown they gave up in coverage today, there were a few other plays where he seemed like he was out of position. His pursuit angles have not been good. They need number six to play like the pro bowler that he's been the last two years. And I think his play has been very up and down this year. There's been some good moments. Today was one of the rougher games that he's had since the Seahawks traded for him in 2019, though. He's got to get back to the drawing board and start playing like he's capable of, just like Puna Ford. When those two players aren't playing well, it's going to be very hard for the Seahawks' defense to play well. Two of their most important players, both those guys need to elevate their games coming out of this loss in New Orleans. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up tomorrow on our Monday Musings, I'll be rejoined by Rob Rang, and the two of us will dive into some in-depth takeaways after we re-watch 
this loss to the New Orleans Saints. Dish some offensive and defensive takeaways. Maybe even talk a little more about special teams as well. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Go Hawks.